Welcome to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. We bring you up to date with all the ongoing fixtures domestically and on the international scene. We profile players, both current and former, and tell you all you need to know in the world of cricket. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. Great to have you along. Wonderful to be here. Part, uh, to have you as part of the podcast and if you're listening for the first time you're very welcome to uh, tell your friends and family about it and of course you can subscribe via your preferred podcast feed whichever that may be Apple Spotify whichever one you like right so today we've got something very interesting we've got no less than three people well there's three of us who are going to be having a chat at the same time now I wonder how many people actually knew that we have the Warwickshire Cricket Academy We've had them here in Harare with us for the last, um, well, for our last bit. And in fact, what I'll do without any further ado is I'll introduce my, my two guests who will be uh, talking a bit more about, about the, everything that has been achieved while the academy has been here. Paul Greetham, head coach, or high performance manager, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I've been thank- called lots of things. <laughs> great, to be, great to be chatting with you. And then uh, former Zimbabwe test opener, Gavin Rennie, Lobels. I yeah. suppose I shouldn't really be giving the name of, uh, of, the, of the, uh, the company on the podcast, but anyway, it is good to see you, mate. How are you? Thank you, Dino. I think everyone knows me as Lobels. Yeah, that's correct. Probably not too many people know you as Gavin. <laughs> I suppose that's the sort of name now. When people call you by that name, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, all right, Paul, so let's start off with you. Um, it's, it's been wonderful. It's just been sad that not too many people have known that the Academy has been here in Zimbabwe. How long have you been here? And... Um, how many games have you played and what sort of success have you had? Uh, yeah, well, thanks, <coughs> Dean, for having us. Uh, and we've been here since last Thursday afternoon, it was. I think we landed. Um, and we, we travel every year around this time, somewhere around the world, um, for about 10 days. It's a school break and a college break back at home. So we take advantage of that. And, you know, six weeks before the start of the season, we take the lads away. And uh, Gavin has kindly uh, put together our itinerary. Uh, which has been uh, brilliant. We've played a variety of different sides from sort of uh, a Zim under-19 select side over the weekend. We played a couple of schools in Peterhouse and Hellenic at the start of the week. Um, And then Matari, the Mountaineers side on Wednesday, that was sort of late on the itinerary. That game came up over the weekend um, and we grabbed it with both hands. That was another T20. Um, and then we've just come off the back of our final game, a two-dayer at the Alex Club against uh, the Mashonaland Eagles B-side. Uh, how, uh, how, how have you found the quality of the cricket that you've, uh, that you've played here in terms of the opposition? Have they, have, has it been good? Yeah, it's, it's been exactly what we, we asked for, really, and, it, and expected. Um, we, we do expect and want to be challenged when we go abroad um, obviously we've got a group of 14 to 18 year old lads who are all developing in their in their own way and um, one of the best ways to see um, how they're developing is to is to challenge them with quality opposition um, and we've obviously played players of school age but also the last three days we've played guys in their 20s who are well experienced and established cricketers and that has provided some some real challenge for the lads, and it's exactly what we wanted. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, I was just going to ask you to to tell us a bit of the makeup of your side. I mean, it's incredible. That's a, a wonderful um, 
array of players that you have in terms of age group, 14 to 18. That's, that's a, a big bunch of, what's a, you know, it's a nice big, I suppose, combination of players, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And they've all been selected really on their stage of development rather than their age, you know. And we, we select on our academy, we, we run an age group structure, Dean, back at home, you know, from 10, under 10 through to under 18. So we've got age group squads that compete for Warwickshire County Cricket Club every year. But um, for this for this trip, the, our away trip in February every year, we select a group of players that are, are perhaps closest to the professional environment, um, and that is our academy. Our academy is like the cream of the crop in terms of our age group players. Um, we've actually got one lad who went through our academy last year and is a is a rookie contracted player in Shea Simmons. Um, um, but the the rest are all in our academy or in our sub academy group. We've got 14 players this week. Wow, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, Gavin, I'm going to just bring you in here as well because you and I, when we were in our <clears throat> early teenage years, we were spoiled for choice in in the counties that used to come out here on their pre-season tours. It it it's kind of rolls back the years to a certain extent, doesn't it? Because I mean, we were we were spoiled in in the side in in the sense that the counties used to come out here, but. We they had their full full strength side, didn't they? I mean, like yeah. a lot of international players actually came here, Australian players, West Indian players who we probably wouldn't have seen touring with their respective countries, but they were out here with the the county sides as well, which was amazing. Yeah, absolutely, Dean. That was before we got test status. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember running around the the outfield um, collecting signatures on on cricket bats and caps and hats um, from English touring county teams. You know, we often had Worcestershire here and Yorkshire yeah. and and Warwickshire, and it was it was the highlight of our cricket season actually to have those touring teams here, and and that's a very fond memory of of mine, and just with the renewed enthusiasm for Zimbabwe um, and and Zimbabwe's performance on the international stage, you know, we are trying to attract more and more county teams to come to Zimbabwe for their preseason. Uh, tours so yeah, yeah. Do you, know, you know there was a, a period just just before we got test status it must have been around about 1990 or 91 because obviously we got our test status in 92 and and yeah. Paul I'm sure you'd be very interested but we had Worcestershire mm. and Warwickshire out here at the same time so there was a it was basically a triangular series mm. so there was a, this festival of cricket everything played over 50 overs but then both sides also played three and four day matches against the various Zimbabwe sides but I mean the, the Warwickshire side, you had Trevor Penny, you had Dermot Reeve. Mm. Um, I, I think Roger Toos may even have been a part of that. Um, I don't think Alan Donald, unfortunately, I don't think he made it on that particular tour. But he was obviously playing for Warwickshire at the same time. And then from a Worcestershire perspective, you would have had Tom Moody. Mm. Ian Botham, as you know, played a bit of his cricket towards the end of his career at Worcestershire to try and help out the youngsters. David Leatherdale, Phil Newport, Graham Hick. Mm. So it was like watching a, an international tri series, you know. It was it was incredible. And well, that that, that actually ding bounced us into an unprecedented era of success. Yeah. So maybe it was the Zimbabwe trip. <laughs> um, but you know, you probably are aware that 93, 94, 95, particularly oh, 94, 95, yeah. Brian nobody has achieved that amount of domestic success in such a short period of time. Those were the Lara years, but also the Warmer years. Yeah. And uh, Bob and Dermot. Um, That's right. Really, as far as certainly the UK is concerned, revolutionised one-day cricket. 
um, and it was a quite an innovative time for um, English one-day cricket and, and you know nobody really had seen county score at the rates they had I mean we look at these days you know it's incredible where one-day cricket has gone but you know all a lot of our top order batters were reverse sweeping you know and being very creative and innovative and Dermot was one of his kind really and, and, as a and Bob Wilmer as well wasn't he I mean as you've just said Bob Wilmer had a massive part to play in in encouraging batsmen to reverse sweep and yeah um, and I mean he did something very similar with the South African side as well and and I'm of the opinion that we saw the very best of Daryl of uh, well Daryl Cunningham yes but Hansi Cronier mm. in particular where he wasn't afraid to take Shane Warne on and not just work him around the ground but hit him out of the ground with a slog sweep as well and <clears throat> I think a lot of that had to do with with Bob Wilmer as well I mean he was just a larger than life character wasn't he oh no absolutely he had two spells with the club actually and uh, had success in both periods and uh, you know a life cut too short sadly for such a such a, a man in the game and was so, so creative uh, a fantastic people manager um, yeah. um, so yeah uh, we were blessed really with the characters the coaches that we've had over the years and as you say the overseas players of that of that era and uh, and it was such a great team unit, actually. And you mentioned Mo Sheik, who's on this trip with us, and he was very much part of, you know, just just on the back end of that era, actually. Yeah, he's a he's a wonderful character, is Mo Sheik. We actually wanted him on the podcast, but unfortunately, a few other duties called for him, so uh, very unfortunate. But um, back to the present, because I can carry on talking about the players of the past with regularity, but. Tell us about the players who we can look out for. Do we have potentially, I mean, I, I really don't like comparing players mm. with one another, but what I like doing is perhaps examining a situation of players bringing similarities to the table, if you mm. know what I mean. So do we perhaps have a, an aspiring Ben Stokes or Jofra Archer or um, Jimmy Anderson or something of that nature in the wings? Now you put me on the spot Dean on this one <laughs> and people know me very well back home for not mentioning singular names right? Um, because I think they've all got their own strengths in, you know, in their own way. What I would say is, is that this trip or a trip of its kind has produced many pro players and many players that have gone on to England 19s, England Lions and, and, and first team status at the club. And so in the last three years we've had um, Jacob Bethel and Daniel Mosley who's been on trips before. Robert Yates is a mainstay at the top of the order now in, in the first team in different formats. Um, I think I counted it the other, the other day when I was talking to the lads. There's somewhere in the region of 13 or 14 players have come off this trip and been signed on the staff over the last few years. So it's a, it's a vitally important part of their education. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, not mention, sorry Dean, but I'm not gonna no, mention no, no. any names of these Absolutely. boys because I think it would be, it would be wrong of me to do so. Um, no, no, they're, they're, a, they're a talented bunch. And the, the great thing about this week has been that lots of players have had their day. You know, I think Gavin would agree, Absolutely. you know, yeah. and that's what's been so pleasing. They've all brought something to the table. What I would say is we've got some, we've got sort of strengths across the board. We've got left arm seamers, we've got leggies, we've got off spin, we've got left-handed bats, right-handed bats at the top of the order. Um, some real encouraging seam talent as well. So um, there's, a, there's a large variety of the talents of the boys on this trip and they've all shone in their own way this week and, and that's a massive opportunity for them. 
just explain a bit more about the importance of these tours because it's not just about players familiarizing themselves with very foreign conditions in terms of on the field. Mm. So I know, for example, that um, the side has been, in the past, players have been to Sri Lanka, mm. they've been to Cape Town, mm. and, and it's, it's different experiences all the time. Now they've come to Zimbabwe. I mean, I, I would imagine every single country has its own mm. experience, I mean, and share how important it is um, for players to also mature off the field as well as on the field in different environments. I think it's sort of linked to the cricket. You, you walk into that first training session or the first game and immediately what hits you is the kind of the cricket culture of the place, you know. Um, you know, you, different uh, countries or clubs or sides that we've played just play their, their, they've got a slightly different style of cricket. And what's been brilliant this week is is that um, nobody's wanted to, that they've been passionate about not losing to us. It's been really competitive. There's been an edge to, to the cricket, which I've really, really enjoyed. Um, that hasn't always been evident in other venues. What we found in Sri Lanka was they'd just go mega, mega hard at you in terms of the bat. You know, they'd just oh. go from ball one, you yeah. know, they would just go hard at you and particularly just take your spinners down or try to take your spinners down as quickly as possible. Um, and then in Barbados, you had this, just this spirit, you know, this uh, Bayesian and West, Indies, uh, West Indian spirit that you were playing against. Um, so it's very different and you're right, but that what this week has brought has been a competitiveness and an edge. And what's been brilliant from our point of view is that our lads have matched it. They've gone toe to toe um, and and they've come together as a group. So, you, Dean, you mentioned that off-field stuff. Um, you know, the, it's invaluable, isn't it? The time spent mm -hmm. going to Amiri, as we did early, early on in the week, the, the dinners, the, uh, the, the team meetings, the various things that, you, you know, that Tor brings. It just brings the group together. And more than any other trip, I would say, that I've done, and I've done a few, um, the boys have really bonded well this week. And I yeah. think that's going to you know, that's going to bode well for the season ahead. And I think it, it teaches you integrity as well, doesn't it? You know, in terms of um, sort of how to behave in cer certain circumstances where on the field you, you may be very competitive, but off the field you, you put all of that behind you and you respect your elders and you, mm. you treat everybody who you play with or against with the, with the same uh, amount of respect. Yeah, and the, the opportunities Tor brings is, you know, the the socialising, the af after the game against the, the schools the other day, it was fantastic to see the mixing. Yeah. Um, there's been numbers shared, there's been new friends made, and those are friends for life. Mm. You know, those are friends, those are memories for life. And it was great this evening, actually, when we wrapped up the game, the final game of the tour. Um, it was great to see the two sides mixing over a drink or an ice cream on the outfield and just talking the game through or just, you know, getting to know each other. And Gavin, I mean, it's something that you've experienced very much when you were growing up. I know that you went on several tours from under 13s, under 17s and, and various um, experiences. All right, I, I don't think you, you, you weren't part of the Dave Houghton Academy, were you? Uh, no, that was just uh, after my era. Yeah, that's correct. But yeah. I guess the point I'm making is that you still had that same experience that Paul was talking about, about bonding with teams and understanding different uh, playing conditions and, and so on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I was very fortunate enough to go on uh, an under, Zim Under-17 tour 
um, in, into Europe, um, and then a Zimba under 19 tour into Australia and, and Tasmania at the age of 15. So, you know, I can relate a lot to um, the lads who are, who are on this tour with, with Paul, um, with Warwickshire, in that it's, it's a huge experience. It's the, the growth and the development um, through that exposure is massive. And, and I know that I blossomed as a cricketer as a result. And I was challenged as a, as a 15 year old playing against boys, you know, four or five years older than I. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a superb experience, all part of my development. Mm. And I mean, I, I remember you scoring hundreds for, you know, Zimbabwe board 11s as they were known as, I mean, you were 19. And I remember you scoring a very good 136 against Western Province uh, that Duncan Fletcher coached. Uh, back in 1996, remember that like it was yesterday. <laughs> Tell us a bit about how you, about your involvement and how you got the Warwickshire Academy here. Yeah, so Dino, obviously for me, um, passionate about cricket, number one. And then just as, as COVID started, I was involved in, in bringing and assisting um, Durham and, and Derbyshire to Zimbabwe. Um, and then I started working with a tour operator in the UK called um, Smile Group Travel owned by Graham Walker and we've become friends um, over some time and and Graham is very well connected in the county cricket season uh, network rather and amongst universities and private schools in the UK and so for me that's that's an opportunity to connect with a wider group of um, of organizations that we can attract to come to Zimbabwe um, and then I'm on the ground here in Zimbabwe, fortunately have a great network mm. um, within the travel and tourism industry, um, having, be, having done that for 15 years, 17 years now, um, and then with my cricketing background um, to tie it in together. So it's not just cricket that we want to attract to Zimbabwe, but also hockey and rugby tours as well. Um, but yeah, so Graham and I worked um, closely on, uh, with Paul in putting together this tour. And uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's the first um, county academy tour to Zimbabwe in a very, very long time. In fact, mm -hmm. I can't remember one before, before this one. Um, so yeah, I, th I think it's gone off as, as a pretty good success. I, I just find it so fascinating that um, you can actually have a county academy side, you know. So we, we just so used to the, the main counties coming here, but that you actually, that the, the depth of cricket in England and indeed Australia, New Zealand and South Africa is of such that you can put together a county slash provincial academy side. Mm. I mean, isn't that, doesn't that just, Paul, make you think, my goodness me, we are so, so blessed that we are able to do that? A hundred percent. And I think these lads understand that as well, yeah. if I'm honest. They know how privileged and what an opportunity it's been this week. Mm. You know, we've been running these now for about eight years and some of, the, some of the other counties make a real effort to go away as well in a similar time. Um, I think Knotts are in Cape Town at the moment and then a few others are dotted around the world, Dubai, uh, you know, Shazia, I think, and, and other places. There, there is a well-established and funded academy network now in the first-class counties in the UK and that, that started around early 2000s, I, th I want to say 2001. So for 22 years now, the first-class counties have been well-funded by ECB and of course their own counties. Uh, counties are expected to fund their own pathways. 
um, but we do get an awful lot of support centrally from ECB. And that is put into the age group structure, the, the squads that play every summer against other counties, but also um, a quite uh, complex academy programme. You know, these boys are exposed to uh, work nutritionally, psychologically, um, they have supervised gym every week. You know, they're very, very fortunate and it's, it's really well organised. So um, it's, it's almost on a plate for them, you know, yeah. uh, and, um, and, and to come, be able to come away. And we, we subsidise this trip quite heavily. And for some, we actually pay their full fee because some aren't in a position of course, to be able to, to sort of to fund their own trip. But yeah. we want to we help talent to, to come through. And I also want to say, Dean, it's one of the most culturally diverse groups I've ever had, you know, in terms of... Um, we've got British Asian uh, lads, we've got Afro-Caribbean lads, we've got white British lads, and they're from a whole different range of backgrounds, sort of socioeconomically as well. You know, we've got the odd few that are at private schools, potentially on scholarships, but then those that have come through state and government schools. Mm. Um, and so, to be honest, I, I as, as the, the boss, if you like, mm looking at the group i think well this is this is awesome you know and a lot's been thrown dean at the english game over the last two years about discrimination as you probably know yeah, yeah. but then i look at this group and I'm, I'm i'm of course i'm proud of their cricket but i'm also proud of how they've come together as a group from such different backgrounds i mean there's a word that you used and that's psychological mm. that is so very very important because i do believe that around the world Every, every cricket playing nation has had its fair share of unbelievably talented cricketers who sadly have fallen by the wayside and probably we were a bit ignorant 30 years ago, 20 years ago, perhaps even 10 years ago where we just initially would say that player is lazy, he doesn't put in the hard work and so he didn't really fulfill his talent. But I, I wonder looking back at it now how much of it also had to do with some psychological of course, unfortunately, names such as Graham Hick and Mark Rampakash, mm. uh, many others will, will spring to mind. But had they perhaps maybe had the psychological um, assistance that a lot of these younger players have now, I wonder if things wouldn't have gone slightly better for them. That's a big question, Dean. All I can say is I think trips like this and the experiences that we can afford these youngsters you know, you, you find out about somebody's mindset by the challenge that a trip like this can offer. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it's certainly not a way of sort of, um, of sorting a group. But it, what it does do is, is put someone's development in a slightly different light. If someone battled in Sri Lanka with the heat and the fatigue pressure, for example, you know, you can, you can work with that. It's, you know, something has been exposed there that you didn't know. You know, and you want, you want to see these guys in different environments and with the, the type of challenge that we've had this week and we did last year in Sri Lanka, whereby they're playing people much older than themselves, the ball's suddenly whistling around their ear rolls, which mm. it might have not done before, or they might be facing a lot of turn and bounce or whatever it is, whatever the challenge is. Um, and you see that and then you can, you can do something about it. You know, if they've struggled or they've battled, um, as you say, it's such an important part of the game. But it's also, I think, a bit deeper than that as well, isn't it, Paul? In the sense that so many players were able to perform incredibly well at home. Mm. 
but then others but then as soon as they went on tour they, they really struggled because they didn't have their home environment and I, I'm not talking about I mean obviously a lot of these these young lads would be very used to having the fastest internet and you know like all youngsters do so here in Zimbabwe you're not going to get that so there's lots of sophistications and things that you'd get in the UK that you don't get in Zimbabwe or, or Sri Lanka or some of the other countries but more importantly than that a lot of, of players really struggle to be away from home and from their families. Now, in the past, have you, have you encountered such a problem and how would you then deal with that? Um, I think it's about having really, really honest and open relationships in the first instance, isn't it? It's about, um, you know, if I'm taking a group away, I'm always, I'm always keen to speak to parents and the boys themselves in terms of, you know, is, is there potential for you to miss home, for example? You know, youngsters can do that. And we've seen really experienced pros battle, haven't we? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know Marcus Truscothic comes to mind, Steve Harmison comes to mind, you know, people that didn't travel well. They might have performed okay, actually, but they just battled. But I think what they have both have done, and Freddie Flintoff has also said as much, that they've both been, or they've all been open about it. You know, and where, whereby you're open about it, you can have conversations about it, and that can act as some degree of therapy. Um, but it's important, as far as these youngsters are concerned, that you safeguard ahead. And you know, I, I, pr I pride myself and my staff on having those real quality relationships that you can have those open conversations. Um, and thankfully, nothing to speak of on this tr on this trip. Um, but you're dead right, um, and particularly uh, through the COVID period, of course, when people are shut in hotel rooms that we've seen, we've, some people really have battled with that, uh, not least our own captain um, at the moment, you know, Ben Stokes. You know, a lot of the players really struggled through that period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I suppose we better wrap up pretty soon, but it's been such fun. But Gav, I, I just want to ask you, you obviously don't have to mention any names if, if you don't want to, but have, were you ever in a situation whether you were playing for the national side or, or any of the other sides that you would have played, uh, did you ever come across players who really struggled with these environments uh, that Paul and I mentioned? Obviously, there was no COVID and stuff like that around, but just simply, as we mentioned, Paul, Marcus Treskothic and, and Steve Harmison, um, they've been very open about it, as Paul alluded to, but did you ever encounter situations where a player would just have a complete and utter meltdown and, and really struggle with a... With a situation of being away from home? Um, do you know, I'm not sure that I witnessed anyone having a complete meltdown, but I was very much aware of, of some players not traveling well compared to other players. Um, and I think, you know, one thing in Zimbabwe, um, as, as senior school goers, most of our schools are boarding schools. So you're away from home anyway. Um, so when it comes to now traveling and you're traveling for six weeks or three months on a national tour, um, it's, you know, you, you're pretty well accustomed to being away from home. Um, but for sure, some, some players didn't travel as well as others and, and it was apparent um, in how it affected them. I, th I think if I just chip in. Yeah, please. You know, it, it's, it's a, cricket is a lonely place. Um, anyway, if perhaps your form's not great or, Very much you, so. do you know what I mean? And yeah. so you, we've all felt that, you know, when you're going through that run of poor form. 
Um, and then it's exacerbated, isn't it, by you being abroad and you haven't got necessarily your family or your friends around you. You can't go to that favourite restaurant, you know, just to completely switch off and just be in those familiar surroundings. And I think obviously when you, when you are in alien conditions and you are up against it, you might be going to India or Australia or anywhere else that, you know, it's, it's a, an uphill battle at the best of times. If you are in good, good nick and you've got a few low scores or been wicketless, that's a lonely place. And when you don't have that familiarity around you and just probably a hotel room to walk back to at the end of the night, you can see how that can build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And, and that then perfects or affects, should I say, not, not just your, your ability to score runs or take wickets or indeed captain aside, but um, just your entire mental state. I, I mean, it's one thing you, you can very easily make a, a WhatsApp call or I understand all of that. It's not like it used to be 20 years ago or 30, 40 years ago, but it's not the same though, is it? You, no. you still want that restaurant. You still, I don't know, want the homely smells or, or, yeah. or something of that nature that, that you would have. Even if indeed you were doing the county circuit, it's not that bad doing the county circuit, I suppose, as opposed to going on a, on a six-week tour of a, of a very foreign country. No, absolutely. And, and we forget the family factor. You know, a lot of these, you look at the England squad at the moment and there's a lot of, a lot of newborns, firstborns, you know, um, and they want to be close to their family yeah. and, and it's understandable. Um, and I think that was always the case. It's just become mental health has become such a hot topic in sport over the last few years, you know, but it's always been the case. Mm. You know, yeah, back that's in, a good you know, point. if you look back yeah. in the 70s, 80s, 90s on high profile tours, you're away for longer periods of time, almost. And the, you know, the English English side going abroad, you might have had a three-month series where lots of warm-up games and yeah. tour games yes. and so on. And and actually, somebody's somebody might have had a child born and they couldn't go home. For sure. You know, and so I think things have um, things have improved as far as player welfare. People are far more aware of of mental health issues, um, and I think. I mean, I'm a good friend of Ashley Giles, and I know that picking the way through the COVID situation, whereby people just couldn't have those contacts as often, and uh, not even within their own group, you know, it's like you've got to be do a degree isolated, and that was the most challenging for him personally and his staff around him was one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging, period of his professional life. I wonder how much of a of a toll that actually took on the likes of Ashley Giles and, and even Chris Silverwood as coach as well, you mm. know, um, because when they decided that the, that the Ashes were going to go ahead and they, they travelled to Australia, they were badly shook up. You know, you could see it wasn't, it wasn't the England team that we, that we knew so well. I mean, they had a good time of it when Pakistan were in England, mm. the West Indies were in England, they played beautifully. Although they were still, um, you know, had the COVID bubble situations, but it's a different thing entirely when you when you're on tour and you still are restricted. I mean, admittedly, they played in front of nice big crowds, but it's still so very different though when you have those restrictions, isn't it? Yeah, and it took its it took its toll. Yeah. You know, and and I think in that period of time, England, I think, were the most prolific players during that COVID period. You know, England play an awful lot of international cricket, far more, obviously, test matches than a lot of countries are now playing. You know, I read a stat the other day, Dean, you'll know better than me, about South Africa's test cricket and how that's shrinking a little bit, yeah, you know, over the, over the year. But we just kept playing <laughs> and it was relentless. 
and something had to give, you know, and players had breaks, you know, players were no longer playing every format, you know, and, and something had to give and understandably so. So Gav, I just want to, on a lighter note, I want to ask you, how do you think you would have done if you'd played what, I know Brendan McCullum hates the name, but uh, baseball cricket, I can just imagine you and Grant Flower opening the batting and trying to play baseball cricket in the test arena. How do you think that would have gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's a very different um, format of cricket. And, and we, we grew up, you know, you hold up one end and you see off the, off the quicks and you work. Now this baseball cricket is, yeah, it's exciting. It's, I think I'm more of a purist. Mm, I'm afraid um, I am very much a purist as well. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, th I think it's I think it's enhanced um, all formats of, of of the game. So, and Paul, what's your thought on the hundred? Because I'm really struggling with it. I I'm afraid I can't get my head around it. <laughs> I'm really struggling with it. Maybe if I actually went to a game and physically experienced and witnessed it, maybe that would change my mind. But how? What's your take on it? Um, do you want the ECB line or my line? <laughs> no, no, the Paul Greetham Can I just go back to Basball? Because yeah, I, actually th I actually think Basball's come out of that. I, I think that's directly as a consequence of the two years before it. Right. You know, so I don't think we'd be in the position we are with the way that we're attempting to play test cricket without that adversity. You know, and I think it's just bounced out of it. You know, and particularly Stokes leading the side. He had a rough two, three years. And I think it's a case of, right, this is my team, where are we going? And given, given his, you know, the, his last few years, there, was only one, there is only one way to play, mm. you know, and that is to go out and enjoy, yeah. you know, and that's what we're seeing. But the 100, blimey, um, I wasn't ready or that interested personally in another format. So um, as far as developing young players is concerned, you know, um, we were just getting our head around T20 and trying to take those <laughs> players on, on a journey. Ultimately, the 100 is a package, you know, it, it, it's there to attract people to the game. You know, that's what it's there for. So it, it, it's underlying um, raison d'etre is we, to bring people into the game and that can only be a good thing. And for the women's game in our country, it's been phenomenal. Oh yes, it has. So um, yeah, I'm going to protect it to the hilt because I run our girls pathway as well. And the girls talk constantly about the 100 because of the women's, you know, the women's names in the world game are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm going to defend it to the hilt on the women's side. As far as the men's side, I think we've got a brilliant short form con uh, competition anyway. Our T20 Blast is a very high standard. My view is it's a higher standard, and of the players actually, it's a higher standard than the Big Bash, even though Big Bash gets the, a lot of the hurrah, you know, the hurrah and mm. the noise. Um, the T20 Blast is a hugely respected competition, you know, in, in the UK. And we do, we still attract some really quite big names to, to it. We've just signed Glenn Maxwell ourselves and Rashid Khan's playing again this year. And, you know, you get some, you know, mega names there, albeit after their IPL contract. And, you know, it's sandwiched in a little bit. Um, the one interesting thing, and we won't have time to talk about this, that we've got our eye on, obviously, that clashes with the English summer is, is Major League Cricket, you know, and right. that starts in mid-July this year. Um, and that's just something to keep an eye on because um, I think where short-form cricket is going around the world, I mean, there is nobody looking or overseeing it, is there? They're just literally 
sprouting up. The 100 came here, you've got the CPL, we've got, and we've just had five or six franchise tournaments happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure how sustainable that is, um, but they'll try. Yeah, um, sure. Because, um, you know, is there enough talent to go around? You know, how can you sell that, that tournament to people when you might not have the best talent in the world playing in it? So it's an interesting um, one thing we have done back home is I was, you know, last month we had a big meeting of the directors of cricket and head coaches in, in the domestic game. The next five years are going to be fascinating. You know, where franchise cricket goes, how that affects the normal balance to people's season, whether it's the English summer or anybody else's summer. Um, because if, if a franchise cricket, like the Major League cricket, pops up in our summer, and some of our players decide to go, you can see within five years the structure of contracts and such things over the years is going to, is going to change completely. Wow, fascinating. I tell you what, I could sit here with you gentlemen all night long, but um, unfortunately that is not going to be the case. So we'll just briefly say what happens now, Paul, you, you obviously you're back to the UK and then I guess it's straight back into the, well, into the nets and the cold weather and everything as you prepare for the upcoming season. It is, and um, it, we're heading into March next week, and it has been known for us to get outside in March, yeah. so that's a good thing. So we won't be too far away. We'll try and do a fair bit of fielding in March um, and get on some grass or outside as soon as we can. Um, we want the gap to be very short. Our first game's on April the 4th, and so it's not too far away. But this has been great preparation. We leave tomorrow, and, and a big thank you to anybody listening who's been part of our trip. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Now, what about you, Gavin? You back, you, because I understand there's a few more counties coming here. Are you going to be involved in, in getting them here? Um, I, was, I wasn't involved in getting these counties here, but right. I'll, I will be involved in, in part of their trips. Of their um, trips, yeah. yeah. I, I should have stated that better. So basically yeah. you'll be part, you'll be making sure that they're comfortable and that they get around. And yeah, and, and their excursions, um, and their excursions to yeah. Victoria Falls and Kariba and, and, and Amiri or, or, or wonderful game parks like that. All right, well, if you'd like the presenter of the Dean Stumps podcast to travel with you to Vic Falls, he'd be very happy to do so. His camera work isn't the greatest. I wouldn't advise you to let him do any photography. <laughs> but um, uh, he, I think, will do a reasonable job at uh, hosting a podcast and just having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. As for you listening, thank you very much indeed for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation. Paul Greetham, the, uh, what, so what, what is your official title? Let's get this straight right now. High Performance Manager. High Performance Manager. So I did actually get it right at the top <laughs> of the show. Thank you for your time. It's been absolutely wonderful just having a conversation with you, picking your brain and, and the, the wonderful things that you've done with a, a variety of lads watching them progress to very, very good cricketers. Long may it continue for you. Long may you continue to reap the rewards of very, very hard work. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dean. Gavin Rooney, former test opener. I remember a magnificent innings of uh, 80 four that you got against India at Harare Sports Club. You were actually hit on the helmet as well, weren't you, in that particular innings? <laughs> I was, by Javagal Srinath. Javagal Srinath, <laughs> yes, indeed, I remember that. Of course, your test best of 91 against New Zealand back in 2000-2001. You and Andy Flower had a very good fourth-wicket partnership. But uh, thank you very much indeed for your time and uh, wishing you nothing but success with everything that you do. Thank you so much, Dino. Thank you all for listening to the show. We'll be back pretty soon. Until then, stay safe and take care. Goodbye. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast, presented by Dean Duplessis. Join us again next week and catch up with all the action in the world of cricket.